So uh, the reason we're calling the series Foundations is going gonna to be a deep dive into all the foundational doctrines that go into the Christian faith, right? Things that we, as a church, should believe about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, different things like that, right? Because all throughout the history of the church, there's been questions that the church has had to ask about what do we believe, right? I mean, the heart of the, th- heart of the matter is every belief, pretty much, that the church has, um, has been an answer to what we don't believe, right? So we talked recently uh, in December about St. Nicholas. Anybody remember the story of St. Nicholas? Why he was important? Why, at least why we remember St. Nicholas so well. Because he punched a heretic in the face? Yeah. Yeah, so really what it was about was um, we had someone preaching a, f- a false view of who Jesus was, right? They said he wasn't actually God. He was just created by God. And so St. Nick was like, not in my house. Bop. And basic, but then, and then they had a whole church council about it and created what we now know as the Nicene Creed and just was like a definition of who God is and what we believe as a church. And throughout church history, that's been a big deal, right, of saying, okay, here's what we believe about these important things, right? And as Baptists, we're no less prone to or in no less need of a doctrinal statement of faith. And so uh, one of the big ones for us Baptists is going to be the 1689 London Baptist Confession which was a convening together of Christians, specifically particular Baptists, and they met together and basically drafted from a couple of other confessions of faith and whittled it down to be more Baptist, and here we are. And in a few different areas, actually expounded on things and made it a little bit you know, more robust. But at the heart of it, what it was about was saying, hey, this is what we actually believe, so let's write it all down, and then we can, that's what we can teach, and we have it so that we can teach our children, we can uh, teach new people who come in, and they'll all know exactly what it is, it is to be a Christian. One of the most foundational topics, and it's the first one that they covered, so it's the first one that we're going to cover, is what is scripture? Yes. Yeah. You know you don't have to ask me to do that, right? <laughs> huh? Yeah, another one. But she's coming back. I don't know. They said, I mean, I'm assuming they're coming back eventually, but because of none of them said anything before they left, I don't know. But, um, so again, we're going to talk about what is Scripture. So, first and foremost... In the 1689 Confession of Faith, it's described as being the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience, and that it reveals himself, talking about God, and declares his will for his church. All right, so a little bit more plain English, uh, we would say, The Bible is the only thing which contains all that we need to know, all that we need to grow in faith, and all that we need to instill obedience within ourselves. So, 
The Bible, then, is everything that we need to know as Christians. Why is that important? <laughs> okay. So that we know so that we know what we need to know. Yes. Yeah, because it is everything that we need to know. And so in order to know what we need to know, we have to read what we need to know, which is there in the in the book and we get to know it. Exactly. Yeah, and so like when you go into school or you go into the workplace or you go somewhere and you give them the three circles, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Jesus is so awesome. Let me do that. And then you can bring them to church, and you can tell them. You can give them a Bible, because we have, like, a bunch of them back there. And then you can be like, hey, this is all that you need to know. And then they never have to read another book ever again. They just read that one. Right, Audrey? Okay. <laughs> yes, but we also know uh, that it's... Uh, the way in which God communicates with us, right? Because it's, uh, quote, the way in which he reveals himself and declares his will to his church. So, anybody ever felt like, hey, I wish God would talk to me about this, or I, got, I wish I could hear from God about this or the other? Anybody ever felt that way? Congratulations, congratulations God sent you a text message. It's a text message. But for real, no, he actually did send you a text message. It's, it's a really long one, and it's one that would probably, like on an Android, it's going to be like one of three, one, two of three, three of three, right? It's going to split up a bunch because uh, it's going to split up into at least 66, right? Because there's 66 books, right? But um, it's also the rule of all saving knowledge. What does that mean? Yes, but if, if it's the rule of all saving knowledge, what does it mean that it is that thing? Yes, okay, so yeah, it's the knowledge that can save you. Because you learn more about Jesus, where? In the Bible. Yes, in the Bible. Uh, yes, outstanding. Proud of you. Um, in fact, so uh, to say that it's the saving knowledge, right? Uh, in Romans chapter 1, anybody ever read Romans some of it, okay? Uh, so in the book of Romans, it talks about how there's, the world is revealing God, right? So nature in itself speaks to the fact that it has a creator, right? And so all of that, it, it leaves us without excuse. Paul says that nature in itself leaves us without excuse because we can know that God is real because nature tells us that God is real. But Nature is, in itself is not enough to save us, right? Because even though nature is telling us, yes, there is a God, nature is still not telling us who that God is or anything about Jesus. But because we have God's word written down for us, we can know exactly who Jesus is and exactly how to be saved. And so if you want your friends to get saved, what do you have to teach them? Yeah, the things they need to know, which are where? The Bible. Yeah, the Bible. Okay. We're just going to go straight through the degrees of separation. We'll get there. All right. Uh, in fact, the Word of God instructs us on how to be saved exactly, right? By grace, through faith, not of ourselves, but a gift of God, through our faith in Jesus Christ. 
So God is even specific with us about the means of which we accept that salvation, right? So Peter um, in Acts says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And then Peter says, I mean, uh, Paul says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So we have a play-by-play instructional book, right? Um, who's ever put together a toy or like a bicycle or something like that? Legos. Legos, yes. What's the first thing you do when you open up a new set of Legos? No, that's not what I do. I promise you. I promise you those directions go directly into the trash. I promise you that is never how I've played with Legos. I promise you that. Yeah, I literally dump it on the floor. Yeah. You dump it on the floor, you throw the instructions away, and you never find them again. Um, some sets, maybe. Like, if you get, like, the Death Star set from, uh, from Spider-Man. Yes. I, no, that's Battlestar Galactica. That's a whole other thing. Okay. But this, in this case, we have instructions that are much more important because... Uh, it's, it's a whole lot more hangs on the balance than just whether or not our Battlestar Galactica looks like it's supposed to. Okay? Um, but this is our roadmap on how, on his love and sharing everything that everyone needs to know to know him. All right? But uh, Scripture goes on, or the confession, sorry, goes on to say in paragraph 9 that Scripture is the infallible rule of interpretation of Scripture. What does that mean? Yes, so scripture is the infallible rule for interpreting scripture. Anybody have a guess? What? Scripture is the infallible rule for interpreting scripture. means if you want to understand scripture, you have to know scripture. I mean, really, at a basic level, that's exactly what it is. Um, so the only way to understand scripture is scripture itself, right? That sounds like circular reasoning, right? So it sounds like when you say that the only, th- the only way that you can understand science is by reading a science textbook, but the textbook doesn't help me because I still don't understand what it means. Except that uh, the Bible is very clear in certain places, right? So what you can do is you know enough about Scripture from the places that are clear that when you come to something that's a little bit foggy, a little bit shady, a little bit unclear, right, uh, you have the stuff that you know about from when it was clear, from when you did understand. And um, things like that are how you get away from certain ideologies, right? So, for instance, the biggest example that comes to my mind is going to be in James. James talks about faith without works is dead. You show me your faith uh, without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Now, is James saying that you cannot be saved unless you have good works, or that your good works are saving you? No, right? Because we know that we're saved by grace through faith, not of yourself, because if it was our own works, then we would have something to boast about, right? So we know then that if James can't be saying that we're saved by our works, that gives us a way to interpret this that makes more sense, right? 
So we go back to Scripture to help us understand what Scripture is trying to say, especially when we come to difficult passages. All right, and then lastly, the confession goes on to say of Scripture that it is the supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined and all decrees of councils, opinions, ancient writers, doctrines of men, and private spirits are to be examined. Now, that's a lot. So let's break that down right to the heart of it. The supreme judge by which all controversies are of religion are to be determined. So, Scripture is the supreme judge over all controversy when it comes to the Christian faith. What does that mean? It does? Yeah. Okay. So if you have a question, go back to the Bible. Um, what about when you have like a super big mega church, right? And like there's this new kid on the block who's leading the church and he's super loud and charismatic and everybody loves this guy. He's awesome. He's a great speaker. And the church is growing huge, right? But there's just something about the way he's, or what he's talking about. It sounds good, but there's just something kind of, hmm, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, what do you do? How do you know if it's the truth or not? You consult the Bible. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly it. So if someone is, is teaching you these things that sound good, but might not be good, you go back to the Bible. So, um, I wanted to point out specifically in Acts 28, verses 23, or verse 23, it says, so when they had pointed him a day, this is Paul, he's preaching, and it says he's going, like, going around to different towns and he's preaching, and it says, when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both, from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. So when people came to Paul to hear him talk about God, how what did he use to convince them that Jesus was actually God? Yeah, and what is our gold standard? Yes, the Bible. Yes, yes. So he used the Bible. At this time, though, the Bible was just the Old Testament. And uh, what they had was like a Greek translation of the Hebrew and Aramaic text uh, called the Septuagint, right? So this is what they used. And he pulled out his um, sort of probably like a scroll of his copy of the Old Testament in Greek. And he was like, here, you see these prophecies that came true? These, are all, these all came true in Jesus. Remember how this, this person couldn't uh, have fulfilled these things because some of these prophecies were about his birth. How's he going to do that? Right? And so he used the Bible to prove that God was who he said he was. And then instead of using, like, philosophy or, or you know, coming up with some kind of 
crafty speech. Um, he wasn't necessarily after those things. He was after using the, the scripture to convince them that he was who he says he was. All right, anybody ever heard the term Berean before? Berean. B-E-R-E-A-N. Berean. I'm about to say, I don't think that's true. Specifically, that was very specific from Tennessee. He's got that hiccup sound. <laughs> okay, uh, like burrowing, yeah. No, Berean, Berean like Berea was a, a region in the, in, uh, the New Testament. And at this point, Paul, he's, uh, again, he's on a tour. You know, Paul went on tour, and he's talking at all these different places, trying to convince people that Jesus is God. And he meets these Berean believers. He even gives them high praise. Does anybody want to guess why? Yes, because they went to the gold standard. Yeah, yeah, they went to their they went back to their gold standard, which is the Bible, right? So uh, Paul goes to meet with the Bereans in Acts chapter seventeen, verses eleven and twelve, and Luke tells us that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were true, the things that Paul was telling them, and therefore many of them believed, and so they were converted from their uh, Judaic state into Christians because they looked through Scripture and saw that page after page after page, Jesus fulfilled the things that they said he was going to fulfill. So, what does that mean for us? Why does that mean, like, why is that so imperative for us if the Bible is our gold standard for which we test all things And so if, if we're supposed to test all things against the Bible, why is like what's why does that uh, make the Bible so important for us? Yes, because it's everything we need to know. And if Yeah. So if you don't have Yes, yeah, so if you don't have your Bible you can't test things against your Bible. You know what else? If you don't know your Bible, you might not know to test something. You might not know something even needs to be tested, which is why we go back to just test everything right there against the Scripture. Because it's our only infallible rule. Infallible just means unfailing. It doesn't ever fail. Scripture is our infallible rule for knowledge and faith. It's the means by which we interpret difficult passages, right? So when we find something that's hard to understand, we use the things that are easier to understand in Scripture to interpret those things. And then it's also the standard by which we test all knowledge and doctrine. So when I say that it's the, the standard by which you test all knowledge and doctrine, I mean bring your Bible to church. Because if you have a speaker, whether it's me or 
to somebody out on Sunday morning, they could be telling you something completely wrong. I mean, I wouldn't, but, like, you don't know that. Especially if we go to a... Well, that's the thing, though. No matter where you go. So, like, if you start going to another youth group, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but if you started going somewhere else, you, you would still have the same problem. You'd have to test everything that you know against Scripture, everything that you hear against Scripture. Because, as Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is given by interpretation. Or I'm sorry, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It means literally God breathed out all of Scripture. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work and lacking nothing. Basically, the scripture is there, given by God, literally breathed out by God, so that we can be who God has designed us to be and walk in the good works that he has for us. So, that's why it's so important that we read it, we learn it, and we bring it to church and everywhere. Because no matter where you go, actually you don't go, no matter where you're sent, right? Because we don't go, we're sent. No matter where you are sent, you need to have your Bible with you because it's your sword. All right, let's go. Let's break into small groups.